Chargers 31, Rams 10, and uh, the Battle of Los Angeles was a blowout. So uh, I don't know if the Chargers necessarily own Los Angeles at this point or SoFi Stadium. Pretty sure uh, the Rams is technically and literally still own SoFi Stadium, but they do have the better of the two teams at this juncture of New Year's Day 2023. We knew going into the game that the Chargers were not as decimated with injuries and had a lot more going for them at this point in the year. And and we saw that. And I feel like we kind of just saw how a few star players can tip a team's favor considerably when all things break right for one team and and wrong for another team. A few bright spots that we can talk about here today. This is the Turf Show Times Instant Reaction Podcast. I'm Kenneth Arthur. With me every week, J.B. Scott, Chris Daniel, and those star players, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert. We get a game where Justin Herbert is pulled for Chase Daniel uh, in the fourth quarter just because there's such a wide gap in the points, you know, so uh, I'll start with you, JB, uh, in this game here between the the Chargers and the Rams, I guess, what didn't you expect to see that you saw today? Because we got our hopes up a little bit, you know, a stronger first half and then going into the game thinking, okay, you scored 51 points on the Broncos. We didn't see that offense today. So what did you see that you didn't expect to see? Yeah, and it's this run, this Rams run defense. It's been reliable all season long, especially with Bobby Wagner in the middle of this defense. And the Chargers averaged 6.2 yards per carry in this game, ran it 31 times for a total of 192 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So that's just a departure of everything we've seen from the Rams up to this point. Of course, you're missing Aaron Donald, you're missing Ashawn Robinson. And, you know, Greg Gaines is active. He was on the field towards the end of the game, but I didn't really feel his presence much. It seemed like, you know, Jonah Williams and Laurel Murchison were really the interior defensive tackles for most of the game, from what I could tell. So, I mean, if you have those two run stuffers and Robinson and Gaines and they're not on the field, it makes Wagner's job that much more difficult. And, you know, Eckler's probably a tough matchup for that veteran anyways because, you know, Eckler's not your traditional running back. He's a shiftier back, but a better receiver than runner maybe even. And, you know, he had a number on Wagner multiple times, gave him a little move and got out in space. So, uh, this is a departure of everything we've seen from the Rams up to this point in the run defense, but really that's the difference between winning and losing this one. And the Chargers dominated on the ground all game long. They really did. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Austin Eckler, 10 carries, 122 yards, two touchdowns. Some of the things that came out, you know, on Twitter or whatever during the game, you know, first hundred yard rusher allowed by the Rams this season, you know, which I think is kind of, just not indicative obviously of where a team is at when they're five and 11 you know it doesn't necessarily mean that the Rams have played good defense all season or that they haven't been blown out this season because we've seen them get blown out and so you know but Austin Eckler uh, as a former undrafted free agent as a, a guy who isn't the same size as a lot of other running backs and all that noise at the end of the day this is a guy that scored almost 40 touchdowns in the last two years and so that was he's a talented player but definitely one who just seemed to outmatch uh the Rams defense and and Raheem Morris and all that stuff that we talk about every week with regards to the Rams defense and so it's uh, a testament you know to just really talented players having good days 
And that was the case for many more Chargers than it was for Rams. Um, Chris, you know, where do you think that the Rams should focus on um, this defense or their game plan or their coaching, whatever it is? Uh, what, what do you think that the Rams can focus on in the offseason, knowing that this season has, you know, not gone as planned? But one thing that we had hoped for or expected was at least maybe, you know, a stronger day from Bobby Wagner, the defense. So what do you think the Rams need to kind of uh, focus on moving forward? Yeah. And, you know, speaking of the defense and just expecting a stronger performance overall, I mean, obviously that game uh, on Christmas now speaks more to me, at least speaks more to how Denver was playing more so than how the Rams were playing, because now we see that that was an obvious flip, right? Um, we first have to start with is Raheem Morris coming back? So is he going to be, I haven't heard him mentioned before any potential uh, openings if they happen across the NFL. I don't think he's, I don't see him being considered um, off of this year's performance. Although I don't think, as I've usually said, I don't think the defense is the overall reason why we were bad this year. Obviously today doesn't help that statement, but we got to see if he's going to come, if he's coming back. So that way we at least know what we're doing on defense. Um, then we focus on the most important thing is Aaron Donald coming back. Haven't heard any reports saying he's not coming back. So I have no reason to believe otherwise. And then after that, you, you have to you, you focus inside out defensive line, linebackers, then the secondary, in, in my opinion. And there are holes to fill at every position. Indeed, every position has, you know, offensively, defensively, and, you know, the coaching staff, you know, evaluating everything, you know, the, the Rams cannot treat five and 11 going into next week's game against the Seahawks for the finale and, and finishing either five and 12 or six and 11. In either of those cases, you know, the Rams cannot take this entire season and just wrap it up as well there were more injuries than normal you know there has to be a real acceptance and a self-evaluation on on what led to this point whether it's just about having better depth or coaches putting players in better positions to succeed because you know you just can't accept five and twelve you know as a season you just can't say well this happens sometimes because you know I, I just think you just don't want to go in with excuses. And, you know, I, I can use examples like the Patriots for all those years with Tom Brady, you know, consistently not just winning 10 or 12 games with Brady, but winning uh, 10 or 11, 11 games with uh, Matt Castle, you know? So it's like just always making sure that like, what are we doing foundationally, fundamentally to continuously be successful? And we know that Sean McVay, kind of has that ability, you know, going nine and seven uh, with Jared Goff when the, the offensive line was playing so poorly in, in 2019 and just having all of those pieces in place. So absolutely, you know, having better depth and, and just really evaluating all of those uh, moving parts and everything is going to be so important. What do you think, JB, in terms of moving forward? Yeah, and I think your point to depth is an important one, but Maybe we saw over the course of the season that the Rams have better depth than we originally thought or initially thought, but the, maybe the right the right players weren't on the field. And 
I think of the decision to play Darion Kendrick over Kobe Durant and why Michael Hoyt wasn't involved, involved as an exterior or edge pass rusher more often at the beginning of the season. Uh, Marquise Copeland really came on strong before he got injured. So uh, like, where were these guys over the course of the year? And Rusty East may be playing for Taylor Rapp in a certain role whenever he's in coverage. So maybe this depth on defense is better than we initially thought. But in that middle part of the season, uh, the right players maybe weren't on the field or given the right opportunities. So I think that's concerning. But whenever I saw Justin Herbert, and this isn't a great Chargers offensive line by any means, they've had a lot of injuries too. He had all day to sit in the pocket and push the ball down the field. That pass rush really didn't harass him or disrupt him at all. So the Rams really have to find an edge rusher. If you're going to keep Leonard Floyd, someone to compliment him on the opposite edge, and uh, they're probably going to make a splash move there. They're going to make a heavy investment at the minimum. And, you know, that's probably the first ball that's going to drop this offseason. And that's really what I'm going to be watching uh, whenever we head into March, April, and into the draft as well. It's going to be a really interesting draft. We talk about it, you know, week after week, ever since it became obvious that the Rams – we just weren't going to compete for this season and, and could be looking at maybe a higher second round pick than usual. Right now it's situated at 37th overall and, you know, getting close to that first round range, you know, they're the only five and 11 team in the NFL. And that makes it pretty easy to know where their first uh, two picks would be if to this season ended with these current standings and, you know, uh, hey, 69th overall is where they're at in the third round. That's the same pick that was used on Cooper Cup. So you just never know. 37th overall is where Eric Weddle was drafted so many years ago by the Chargers, as it were. And so very important draft here for the Rams coming up. Um, Chris, you know, any thoughts on in terms of maybe some of those premium positions that teams like to consider with their first pick. Um, You know, there's, like you said, there's a number of different directions to go in. We don't have to get into the prospects. You know, I don't, I wouldn't really be an expert on that. I'm not asking you guys to necessarily be an expert on that, but in terms of just like those premium positions, whether it be offensive tackle, edge rusher, um, a, a big, huge dynamic offensive weapon, does your mind go anywhere? Um, I mean, Really, I feel like to JB's point, I, I wonder if they're going to try to make a move for an experienced pass rusher. Um, if they get that sewn up before the draft, then I would think their first round pick uh, defensively, they'd probably look corner um, offense. You got to wonder if Allen Robinson's played his last uh, played his last snaps uh, in L.A., see if they could find a way out of that situation. And if that were the case, then I wouldn't be surprised to to try to find a weapon on the outside because we're kind of in the same situation we were. You know, we get Stafford back, we get Cooper back, and, and we love that, right? But then we'll be facing the same situation as, all right, defenses, lock down Cooper best you can, and then force Matthew Stafford to go elsewhere with the ball. And even though we are having guys get some valuable reps, uh, some guys on the outside get valuable reps. We still don't have, I don't think we have a, a legit, well, I mean, I guess Van Jefferson could be the number two, but it, do you want to say, okay, Van Jefferson's your number two coming into the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if they can find uh, a wide receiver. That probably isn't something we honestly should want them to do. 
because outside of Cooper, I mean, we're looking at their draft history at wide receiver, and I'm not seeing a track record where that's a position that they shine in selecting. But that's where I would think. I would hope they go offensive line um, just because I love the trenches. That's where your games are won and lost. Uh, I wouldn't be against the fact with the pick being so high in the second round, I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to package it and maybe move up this time, maybe get someone in the first round, give that, get that option for a fifth year down the road. Uh, but if they don't get a, a, I would be surprised if that's not the way they go in terms of getting a proven commodity uh, at pass rusher and then attacking the secondary with uh with one of the earlier picks. Yeah, I think those would be uh, wise moves. And, you know, just offensive line, excuse me, I, offensive line is uh, such an interesting area for the Rams. You know, for most teams, it just seems so straightforward, like value the offensive line. But for Sean McVay and the Rams, other than bringing in Andrew Whitworth in 2017 to help fortify Sean McVay's rebuilding of the offense, which immediately went from 32nd to a top two offense and including the center, John Sullivan, but just overall just being like, oh yeah, let's invest, let's invest, let's invest. You know, now it seems like that has not ever really been the case since. And then re-signing Joe Noteboom, you know, was certainly a move to say we do value this. And we just happen to think that Joseph Noteboom is a guy who will be a long-term left tackle. And then he gets hurt in week six. And I wrote this week, you know, the Rams may have a trade chip with Joseph Noteboom just because Maybe A.J. Jackson played better than him. Maybe, you know, if you're going to be uh, frugal at the position, you could turn Joseph Noteboom into a draft pick and some cap savings just because for another team, he's much cheaper because they don't have to pay his prorated signing bonus payments, and that goes up against the cap. So at $8.5 million for another team, well, now he's not even a top 20 left tackle in terms of salary. So maybe the Rams could get a fourth or a fifth round pick for that and even be a better off at left tackle. And as you say, could draft an offensive tackle and just keep on building. You know, that was the range that Robert Havenstein came in. You know, that you just don't know. You could get a really good player there and, and just keep doing that. But the Rams have been so frugal. You just don't know what case is, what the case is going to be. JB, you've been high on AJ Jackson. I mean, do you feel comfortable with that plan? Yeah, other than he was ruled out for the season with blood clots. And, you know, that's just a complicated story, probably. And how the Rams have all that insight and all the information to know if he's going to be available next year or if that's a risky you know, situation at all, if there's any exposure there. But yeah, I think you're exactly right, Ken, with this offensive line. It's just not the Rams' MO to spend a lot of draft capital there. They're not going to bring any high price veterans in unless uh, you know maybe Sean McVay has experience with them or they're coming in with a, a very familiar system, a very similar system to what the Rams run. So if you're a fan following the team and thinking they're going to pour a lot of resources into this offensive line, you're probably going to be disappointed. And honestly, like from my perspective, selfishly, I don't want to see the first pick go to offensive line. I don't want to see go to defensive line. This team lacks explosion in all facets, and we really need a skill player to come in and really open things up. And I think Chris is right. It could very well be a receiver, um, maybe an outside corner. Or I think we've seen Tyler Higby and Bryson Hopkins be really successful over the last two weeks with this 12 personnel package. Hopkins even playing fullback at times with Ben Skronik out. 
And that's really paid dividends in the running game. And Hopkins has really been a downfield threat as well. So he's in his third year. That means he's in a contract year after 2023. So maybe you bring in the replacement to Hopkins, or maybe you can even find an upgrade in the short term over him too, just because he's been kind of a, a sputtering type player in terms of production. So, you know, he was a Super Bowl hero. We haven't really seen much from him other than last week and then, and then this game as well. So uh, I think tight end would be an interesting move as well. Absolutely. You know, I looked a little bit at tight ends recently. Obviously, the names people talk about in the draft being like Notre Dame's Michael Mayer um, or Darnell Williams of uh, Georgia, if I got that name right and just starting to kind of look at it. Uh, but and that's just sort of the surface level getting into it. But there are going to be really interesting names. And, and uh, I don't know if Bryson Hopkins will be back next year because we know we've seen the Rams start to cut bait with their draft picks that haven't started to, you know, find a place on this roster by now, you know, it, it, there doesn't seem to be quite as much patience as the team goes, you know what, let's just move on from Terrell Burgess. Let's just move on from Terrell Lewis. Let's just move on from Bobby Evans. Let's just move on and go to the next step because they needed players this season. When you're five and 11, it's not so much of, okay, we can be patient. We're still winning. You know, it's like they almost did that with Cam Akers. And now we've seen that if the Rams had taken a, a third, a day three pick for Cam Akers at the trade deadline, just moved him for a sixth round pick, he might have gone to, you know, um, another team and, been really good because we've seen him be really good 19 carries for 123 yards and he's just been kind of on fire ever since that fumble against the Raiders where you thought man what why is he still on the team these fumbles this these inconvenient timing fumbles and uh he's just been kind of on fire there uh Chris you know you you you've been a, a Cam Akers fan before, if I'm not mistaken. And so does this feel like the Rams are kind of adding a player in the middle of the year that they already had? It, it pisses me off, honestly. Um, and I'll tell you why, because it seems like he gets hot towards the end of the season. But where are you in the middle, in the beginning of the season? You know, we needed this kind of performance. And, and, and in fairness to Cam Makers, he wasn't going to He The offensive line is kind of stabilized. You know, I'm not one to throw dirt on someone's name, or at least I try not to be. But, you know, now that Bobby Evans is no longer playing and out of, out of uh, the locker room, it seems like the offensive line is stabilized a little bit. Um, of course, a, a veteran uh, back there at quarterback helps the situation. And then also when he came over, he said that he was familiar with a lot of the protection concepts from other playbooks and other, uh, and when he was in Cleveland. But I think everything's kind of stabilized for Cam Akers now. I just – the inconsistency bothers me because it's one thing to be streaky – but his streaks of subpar play come too often. You know, there's nothing on the line right now. It's I'm not going to say it's easy to go out there now with no expectations, nothing, nothing to really play for because it's not. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not seeing the consistency that I would like, that I could trust, you know, for example, like in fantasy football, 
You can't trust him except when he gets hot. In real life football, it's hard to say, okay, Cam Akers are starting running back. I feel comfortable going into the season with that because then you have to think about the injury history. Then you have to think about now Daryl Henderson's gone, so who we turn to immediately? Uh, Kyron Williams? Well, he got to prove it. Hasn't had opportunities to prove it, but you got to prove it um, in the NFL. I'm concerned uh, if they don't fortify the running back position uh, in the offseason. Cam Akers is a nice piece to start with, but I'm just concerned about the inconsistency. JB, how would you follow that up? It's a very good point, and it's well made. And yeah, Akers has been very streaky, even as a rookie. You know, he didn't do much during the regular season, but really caught fire in the last several weeks and into the playoffs. And, you know, the last playoffs, he was on a cold streak for the entire time, pretty much, though. Uh, you know, no no running back on the Rams roster really got much going in the playoffs since 2021 and we're into the Super Bowl. So uh, I think maybe Sean McVay has acknowledged that he's kind of mismanaged the position earlier this year where K-Makers is a high-volume shooter, as we talked about in basketball, and maybe he didn't allow Akers to get in much momentum because Daryl Henderson was in there maybe splitting carries or they were as a by-committee approach that they had. And then you bring Malcolm Brown into the fold. You have Kyron Williams in and out at times too. But I think that's also another disappointing part of this backfield is, you know, Sean McVay's talked about how he wants to get Kyron Williams more and more involved. And he's a player that has a very limited athletic profile coming out of the draft. And we don't really know that his he's capable of adapting to the NFL and the speed of the game where he's shiftier than fast, but and he's he's physical, he's created yards after contact, but I don't think he's really answered those questions in a meaningful way, and he hasn't had the opportunities to do so either. So I think Kyron Williams is a big question mark. Chris has absolutely nailed the or hit the nail on the head when you know this they need to continue to reinforce this position, whether that's in a later round pick or you bring in a veteran, something like that. But if you you have to have someone else other than just K Makers and Kyron Williams going into next year. There's going to be so many interesting options at running back, whether that be free agency trade, the draft. And when you're the Rams, when you have, this is what I think is the most valuable thing about the Los Angeles Rams in general, which is that it's not that Stan Kroenke is an owner who cares about the team. Uh, Even better than that, Stan Kroenke is an owner who cares about making money, and that's what he's here to do. He just wants to make money, so the way to do that would be make the Rams a entertaining spectacle that wins games, and he just has a blank check for less need and Sean McVay to put their heads together with their regime and say, how do we get the best players what they do year in and year out and especially ever since the move to Los Angeles making the big moves whether that be trading up for Jared Goff so that the team had a number one quarterback in the draft to sort of get excitement going over the Rams going to Los Angeles whether that be hiring Sean McVay and then completely revamping the team whether that be trading for Matthew Stafford and whether that be all of the big names that have been brought in. So for the Rams, it would not surprise me to see Josh Jacobs, who, you know, could be the best running back in the NFL this season, become a member of the Rams next year. And he is going to be a free agent. You know, the Raiders may just franchise tag him or whatever, but in any case, whether it's him or Saquon Barkley or, you know, 
there's just like I said, it's a long list of names who will be available out there. I think you can still bring back Cam Akers. And Chris makes a great point about the inconsistency of Cam Akers. Hopefully it's just because, you know, he had such a devastating injury. He came back from it much sooner than anyone expected. And there's a confidence issue or it's just not a fit with the offense. You know, part of me wonders if, you know, Sean McVay and Cam Akers just came to a head and, and Cam Akers uh, thought that, you know, he was safe. And, and Sean McVay is like, trust me, I can cut your ass or trade your ass at any point. You know, like I'm quoting a coach in my head that exists. And I'm not saying that this is what I would say to Cam Akers, but it's like getting to that point where it said, Hey, nobody is safe here. And really in it, making him inactive and saying like, yeah, we will trade you. We don't care. We move on from anybody. So putting that pressure on him again, by bringing in another name like a Josh Jacobs or a Saquon Barkley, not being afraid to go big at the running back position, especially for days like, not just days like today where you're getting blown out, but all of the days where you don't have Matthew Stafford or you don't have uh, Cooper Cup or you don't have Aaron Donald. But this team can look so good by next season because they do have all those guys under contract. And if they don't retire, you know, they can come back and be a really good team again. And I think you will continue to see the Rams get uh, more good players out of this uh jb what was your uh, evaluation on baker mayfield today yeah made some throws offensive line as well as they did in the run game didn't hold up very well in pass protection uh rob havenstein really struggled against not just boza but other edge rushers too so uh wasn't a lot for him to work with the rams use a lot of smoke and mirrors to kind of open up things in the run game and in pass protection whenever you have two two out well running in jet motion almost every single play. So that was an interesting you know, a- aspect of the offense that they used today. But, yeah, I mean, he had three shots to Van Jefferson for 77 yards. Those are all pretty vertical downfield you know, passes. But other than that, you know, you had Bryson Hopkins for 21 yards. That's your passing stats for the game for the um, in terms of big plays, and it's pretty anemic. Cam Akers was nine yards away from matching Baker Mayfield's yardage total. So I think the eyeball test – is better than the box score for Mayfield. He evaded pressure, was able to push the ball down the field, had some darts. And I think, you know, he was inches away from hitting Tutu Atwell on a, a bomb. And maybe, you know, Cam Akers on the first drive on the wheel route, maybe, you know, you could say Baker Mayfield could have maybe put some more air under the ball. You would expect Cam Akers to go after that ball with two hands instead of one. Uh, they're just inches away from making that play too. So there were plays that were left on the field in the passing game that you maybe Baker Mayfield deserves some blame for, but overall, I think it was sharp. They're just, you were dominated. The level of talent was too far to overcome. And that's really what happened on this afternoon. Chris, in terms of the plan moving forward at quarterback in terms of, you know, just this experiment that we've been going through with Baker Mayfield. And do you, do you hope that Baker Mayfield returns next year or do you think like, let him go be, try and be a starter somewhere. And I hope that the Rams fully commit to Matthew Stafford, have no distractions. Don't draft a quarterback. Like, is this a full committal to Matthew Stafford or is this, we need to keep our options open. I mean, it's, it's, that's an interesting way of putting it. It's kind of both because 
We made the financial commitment to Matthew Stafford. We made the draft capital commitment to Matthew Stafford, and he's earned that commitment back um, by helping deliver the Lombardi Trophy. So he's going to be the guy. If we keep Baker Mayfield, it's not really going to be up to the Rams. It's going to be up to Baker Mayfield. I don't think Baker Mayfield will be back next year. I don't think he wants to be a backup quarterback. And if he comes back to the Rams, that's what he is. He is a backup quarterback. He is an exceptional insurance policy and better than anything else that we had on the roster this year um, at quarterback position, uh, backing up Matthew Stafford. Uh, I, I I wanted to touch based on something you said about the running back situation, though, with Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. I don't want either of them. I don't want to touch either of them. I don't want to have them in a Rams uniform next year. I am highly concerned about running backs that ball out during their contract year. I don't, I don't, I would not feel safe with that. That would be like, okay, you bought out when you absolutely had to for the sake of your last name, your family's last name, and your family's bank account. You had no choice. You had to play fearless. You had to play through injury. You may have had to hide some injuries. Now you got your money. Now I can sit out because my job's not really on the line. I'm banged up a little bit. I'm not going to go. I don't like investing in outside free agents that have just had, specifically speaking of running backs, who have, who have just had a contract year and, and, and exceeded expectations in that contract year. But Baker Mayfield's probably not coming back to Los Angeles. If he does, he's only the backup. We've, right, let's not get carried away with Baker Mayfield, right? We were amazed uh, in, in that comeback against the Raiders, right? But let's not forget, prior to three minutes left in the fourth quarter, there was nothing there, right? Green Bay played okay, didn't play well enough for us to win the game. Nobody did. The Broncos, like I said, I feel like that's obviously a blip uh, on behalf of the Broncos and how bad they were and how ready they were to move on from that ill-advised hire at head coach. And then today again, it's better than what we had at backup, but it's not setting the world on fire. Like Baker's bounced around. This is his third team in one season for a reason. I don't want to hitch my giddy up to Baker Mayfield long-term. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me, I'll, I'll reiterate, in my opinion, Baker Mayfield is not a starter, shouldn't be starting for anybody. Uh, and even if he does get an offer to compete to start for a team this year, should deny them and say, I'm going back to the Rams, no matter what they pay me, because I want to be on a good team and I want to get better. And I want to learn from Sean McVay. And I want to try and get in a situation in two years where I'm starting again. So that's my recommendation. That's my advice to Baker Mayfield. Unfortunately, I don't think that's the advice that any quarterbacks are really getting. Everybody's telling him, no, you're good enough to start. And uh, as we've seen with so many names especially the ones who traded changed teams this year they weren't and so you know the Matthew Stafford's first year with the Rams was truly a a special anomaly and even his second year didn't go so well so I really uh, am with you Chris that uh, hopefully 
I think that just Baker Mayfield is a good, just such a good option. If you're like, this is your backup for a few million dollars, that would be so much better than what we had to endure with uh, Perkins and Wolford. And uh, if the Rams had managed to get a player like uh, Baker Mayfield um, in the off season, what a, what a, a win that would have been for those three games where they had to start Perkins and Wolford, who knows uh, the Rams wouldn't necessarily be a good team right now, but uh, maybe they wouldn't have gone zero and three in those games if Mayfield had gotten months to work with this offense and these coaches. But you know, we'll just never know. And uh, in any case, I think must get better. And I agree, uh, free agency is a, a red herring often, um, and it leads you perhaps sometimes down the wrong path and, and bad contracts. Um, but in the case sometimes of a guy like Robert Woods or Andrew Whitworth, um, it can work out quite well. So we'll see where the, the Rams kind of stand there. They can, they can still open up and free up a lot of cap space. So that is uh, something to discuss after the season as the Rams fall to 5-11 and 11 against the L.A. Chargers. Not a very exciting game, not a very interesting game. Uh, if you're a Rams fan, certainly we got to see some uh, talent on display on the Chargers side. And, and Brandon Staley has the Chargers at 10-6 and six and in the playoffs in the AFC. And it'll be interesting to see if a SoFi t- team um, makes a deep playoff run. Chris, what are your final thoughts here uh, as we head into a season finale against the Seahawks? One, my disappointment with, with Malcolm Brown, who missed the layup uh, after his celebration. Uh, you can't do that. You score a touchdown, you got to at least lay that ball all the way through the goalposts. Um, and if we have, so 2022 is going to be remembered for Baker coming in against the Raiders, is going to be remembered for christmas miracle against the broncos and if we can beat the seahawks and somehow open the door for the lions to get in the playoffs that would that's what i want i want to have the seahawks lose we have to beat the seahawks we beat the seahawks yeah we had a bad season but hell we knocked the seahawks out of the playoffs contention <laughs> that's very true you know i mean i i definitely you definitely can see the rams very obviously can uh, knock out the Seahawks, but I hadn't quite put together like, wow, the Rams can also help uh, Jared Goff and Brad Holmes get to the playoffs, but then Brad Holmes and uh, Jared Goff, well, Brad Holmes' job is done, but uh, Jared Goff um, can get into the playoffs, you know, and, and, but yeah, what, what happens there with uh, the Packers and the Lions, Seahawks, Rams, it's uh, it's what makes week 18 compelling because, for the most part, not many games are going to be compelling next week. It's going to be a very – just going to be kind of like a, a preseason in Week 18 for the majority of the NFL, even though there's maybe a little bit of seeding movement around. Not a lot of teams remain alive for contention. Um, and that's also interesting because when you look at it, the Rams, though they did lose today and are now 5-11, and 11, we're not that much far further away than some of these playoff teams in the NFC. Is Not many teams in the NFC had a good year. Uh, and I think that was to be expected, although I thought the Rams would be one of the good ones. JB, final thoughts here. Well, if you want to be a spoiler to the Seahawks next week, it all starts on the running game because that offense with Geno Smith is a lot different whenever they don't have a running game to lean on and 
Kenneth Walker had a big day today, but he's kind of struggled of late and didn't make much happen in that first matchup against the Rams. So you can't have Walker run all over you like Eckler did today. So I think that's the first and most important priority whenever you talk about this matchup next week. And can the Rams make incremental improvements to improve in that facet? Um, Is Greg Gaines going to be healthy and playing? I think he's probably one of the more important players when we talk about this matchup next week. 100%. And uh, we will. We got one more game to talk about. Uh, Rams, Seahawks, Week 18. And then it's into the offseason for the Los Angeles Rams. And a lot of opportunities. And I'm sure no lack of interesting stories. Go find Turf Show Times, the podcast, on all your podcast apps. Uh, We'll be back this week. Go to TurfShowTimes.com and we will have all the follow-up and the lead-in to Rams, Seahawks, and Week 18. That's it for this episode of Turf Show Times, the Instant Reaction Podcast. Come back in the middle of the week for the next one.